Hello and welcome to the... (coughs) (laughs) Finally going through puberty. (laughs) See? I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we ask the question, can you retrain your clients? (laughs) I hope that doesn't sound, I don't know, like nasty somehow. Because it's not intended that way. No. Well, the answer is no. So I guess this is going to be a short episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, see, I think you can sometimes. I think it's it's a condition. Certain conditions have to exist. Exactly. So where did this where this idea come from? Well, this came from a coaching call I had recently with a client who wanted to create some more standards around the way that they delivered their services to clients. Mm -hmm. And I was 100% supportive of that, both doing it and the way that they had uh, thought about doing it. Uh, But then the question was, hmm, can I retrain uh, my clients to do what this the way that I want to do. And what we actually did was we went through client by client, ultimately. And there's one that will be a challenge, but they were ready to say bye bye if that client wasn't willing to be retrained. And of course, they would not use that word retrained. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's like that old saying, it's like we teach people how to treat us. And when we change, how we want to be treated, we it, it doesn't happen usually in a nanosecond. It's mm. like we have to teach them how it works now. Yeah, it's, it is really hard, at least in the context where it arises with me and the people I coach. It's usually around switching their business model, mm-hmm. either from uh, either hourly to some kind of fixed price or switching to value-based pricing or some kind of subscription pricing. Did I say that already? And uh, it can be around simply raising prices, which isn't really so much a retraining thing. It's just like, is there enough value on the table for them to agree to the increased rate? Uh, It could be someone who's trying to increase their altitude of, of engagement with the client. So they're doing less hands work and more brains work. Those things all come up with, with my folks. And it's, it's usually the most common one is that is that last one. They want to switch from doing hands work to just doing the higher level stuff, strategy, architecture, design, and uh, and and they don't want to be writing code or creating digital assets or updating websites or any you know that stuff that anybody could do. Air quotes anybody could do. But the approach is sounds a little bit similar to what I think it sounds like you did or this person did, where. It's like, look, this is your business. This is your life. If you want to change your business model, change your business model. If you want to change what you, your product and service mix, then change it. And is everybody going to come along for the ride? Definitely not. But there, you know, there are ways that you can announce or, or announce isn't really what I mean. It's more like onboard them to the idea and see if, if they're willing to engage in a different way than you have trained them to do. Yeah, I, th- I think, it, you know, in my experience, it's often an altitude issue where you want to move from more tactical work to more strategic. 
And um, the other, I think, wrinkle can be when you have a whale model, i.e. you have mm-hmm. maybe three to five clients. And so each one, well, you know, no one is 50%, there's still, you know, 20% or more. So it can feel especially nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, am I going to drop 20% or 40% <laughs> of my revenue? That's not an inconsequential fear. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that's that's part of it. And, and, you know, one of the questions that I often ask is, okay, are you prepared for uh, a client to say no and to disengage? Like, are you going to be okay if client X does that? Like what will happen so that yeah. they can, you know, kind of walk through, oh, this is what I would do. And, oh, it would be terrifying or, oh, that wouldn't be so bad. Like <laughs> I will find another client to do to work the way that I want to. And in fact, they actually get excited at the thought of dropping, you know, kind of their client from hell yeah. um, from the equation. That, that's the way I see it happen more often is that and I, I think the way that I usually say it when someone asks, they're like, oh, how do I switch my hourly clients over to value pricing? And I'm like, it's not impossible, but it's probably that's easier to just tough. get new clients Yeah, who only know you the new way. It's like I, my joke is it's like getting trying to get out of the friend zone with somebody. <laughs> I never heard that one. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. It's like it's not impossible, but good luck. You know, yeah. it would be easier yeah. to just find someone where you're not already in, in that zone uh, because you have, you know, they, they see you in a particular way. You're positioned in their mind in a particular way, whether you know yes. it or not. And changing uh, the way that you're positioned in someone's mind is exceedingly difficult. Especially when you are providing value in that positioning value, maybe not your highest best value, maybe not the value you want to be providing, but your client is getting something from it or they wouldn't keep doing it. Right. Right. So the path that a lot of my folks seem to take is whatever the new thing is, the thing that they wish they could convert their clients over to, they make it available and, and once they sell one or two or prove the concept, then they start to get a little bit more confident about, okay, mm-hmm. this is going to work. The cash flow scenario is not as scary. If I now, if I go back to my, say, I've got five big clients pre existing before the change, then maybe you say, okay, at the end of the year, um, I'm taking the business in a little bit of a different direction. Uh, I think I could continue to provide value to you in this new way, but I understand that it might not be a good fit. Um, so we'll continue in this fashion until the end of the year. And then after that, uh, I'm going to be doing things new and we can either stay together or, uh, or part ways and, and then have, I, I think it's, this is an individual conversation with clients like you described. If you've got five pretty big clients, this is an individual conversation, not like a mass email where right. you, you know, get Alice on the phone and say, Hey, just want to give you a big heads up three months, six months out that uh, starting next year, I'm going to be doing this different thing. And I, I think it would be a benefit to you, but I'm not the final judge of that. So, you know, would you be open to a conversation in the next couple of weeks where I can describe what I'm seeing, what I'm picturing, and then we can uh, perhaps plan for that one way or the other? Well, and, and what's ideal, it's not always possible, is if you can frame it in, in what's good for them rather than I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. It's um, I'd like to work with you differently next year or next month, whatever it is. And here's why I think this will be beneficial. Um, and then you talk about what, you know, something about what they're doing. Now, you're not going to do all that in email. 
That's no. really more of a conversation, a one-to-one or you know, one-to-two or three kind of conversation. But when you can frame it for the client, not in a like PR icky way. By the way, <laughs> PR is not icky. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that, you know what I'm talking about, where somebody feels manipulated. Yeah, yeah. Not in that way at all. But you explain... Um, you know, the benefit of this. And if the benefit's not for them, they'll say no, or maybe they'll take a trial. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's all sorts of outcomes that can happen from this, but it's having that that real conversation about how you want to provide more value in a different way. Right. Yeah. And it, I guess it really boils down to how drastic the change is that you're, that you're making. So like yeah. when I switched from mobile consulting to like uh, or like mobile strategy to business coaching, like none of those clients were going to come with me. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a pretty clear demarcation line. Right. It's it, it wouldn't make sense. In fact, though, <laughs> some of them do listen to the podcast and some of them are on my mailing list. I don't think anybody's, I don't think I have anybody that's that's purchased something from me on both sides of the transition. <laughs> I should go look. That's funny. Um but it was just too dramatic. It was too drastic of a, of a shift. So if, if the shift isn't that drastic, for example, here's one that comes up a lot uh, with my people is they want to switch from hour, hourly to a monthly subscription and not do anything, d- different kind of work, different kind of delivery. Nothing's really different. You're just changing the sort of the, the pricing of the package, the pricing of the, of the engagement. And that one's pretty easy to point to the benefit for the client. Sometimes they don't care, but the be- one benefit is that they'd have a predictable amount of money to spend it to, to pay every month instead of having it all over the place, busy months, slow months. It's like, you can look back and say, eh, you know, the average amount you've paid me over the past 12 months per month is it's about 4,000 a month. So I'm switching over to a subscription model where it's, it's, whatever it is, it's either deliverables based or it's value based, or it's business outcome based, whatever the, whatever it's the basis, but you know that they're comfortable with you, your level of output at that price point, because that has been the average. So the benefit to them would be like, well, you can just sort of set this and forget it. And we don't have to worry about invoicing. You don't have to send it to, you know, through whatever the payables department, all that stuff. It's just like, this be amount in some some months I'll work more, some months I'll work less, but on average this is what it's looked like. And so that's a that's that's not too hard of a conversation to have. I think it'll be most attractive to someone who isn't at a big company that has an entire accounting department internally that can handle all of the invoices anyway, and they don't it, it's not a pain for your buyer to to engage with you on an hourly basis. But uh, but for a lot of people, it's it's like, yeah, that'd be great. I would love to not have this. Uh, I'm trying not to say cost, but it, I'd love to not have this cost be variable every month and just know it's going to be yeah. 4000 bucks, and I'm going to be happy with your output. And, and then you probably have an annual or a quarterly out kind of contract. So, yeah, you get you get this um, comfort on both sides of knowing what's going to happen for this next period of time. Right. Now, switching over to if it's real projecty and you're not, um, if it's real projecty and you're still going to do the same thing, you're still typing semicolons, you're still coding, you're still writing white papers, you're still doing the same thing, but you want to switch to like a, um, just change from instead of changing from hourly to subscription, you want to change from hourly to value based. Very difficult. 
Oh yeah, don't even try Very with existing difficult. clients. Yeah. yeah, they don't they they don't think of you like that. They're not going to have that conversation. There's ex- extremely rare occasions when the client has all along been pulling you into strategic meetings, kind of on like a um, like oh here's here's our web guy. He's a genius with all this stuff. We don't know anything about it, so I figured he should sit in on this like vendor call or this you know this discussion mm-hmm. we're having right because they and that, that's a sign that they do view you as an expert at, at this particular thing not just the digging the ditches but knowing where to dig them and that can sometimes happen and sometimes that can be a foothold into like well i just want to do that from now on um that client it's that's just such that's a friend zone situation where like i i just don't think of you that way yeah Exactly. Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, and it's, you know, sometimes you just, I like the, the friends analogy, the friend zone analogy. Sometimes you just, you have to, and it, and it can feel painful because you like them, but you have to grow. And I don't mean grow in revenue. I mean grow in what you're doing and where you're going and what you want to accomplish and the big problems that you want to solve. Mm-hmm. And that's the way to do it is sometimes people don't come along with you. Right, yeah. Evolve, I think, is the word that I would use. It's like your business, and we said earlier, it's like it's your business, it's your life, and you, you, it's just not a good idea to remain trapped in the the way that it things are, to being trapped in the status quo because you're reasonably certain that your clients aren't going to make the leap with you, and so like out of fear, you're staying trapped in this business model that you want that that needs to evolve but can't. Well, and there's this thing that happens when people start to go oh, maybe I could do this differently. And that's when you get your ideal client. (laughs) All of a sudden, there's somebody or a firm that comes into your world and they change it. It changes how you look at everything and you say, oh, if I could have every client like this new one, my ideal client, how amazing would life be? And that's when we start saying, oh, so maybe I'm going to do this, or maybe I'm only going to take clients who think strategically and I can figure out how to how to shush that out in our initial interview. Or, oh, I'm not going to do that thing that drives me crazy and I don't think has any real value. I'm not going to do that anymore. So it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you meet your potential Prince Charming, yeah. right? And you're like, oh. Right. Well, if there's one, there must be more. These are not unicorns. <laughs> right. Let's, let's find some more. So that's when I think we start feeling like we've been given permission to start to question things that maybe we didn't really like or that we felt weren't providing the kinds of value that we want to provide. Yeah, totally. I'm reminded of a story that John Warlow told tells. He told, uh, you know, he's has he been on here? I know I've interviewed him a few times on Ditching no. Hourly. I don't know who he is. Oh, well, he wrote a, uh, a few books that are pretty popular in my universe. One was Built to Sell about productizing a design studio and another called The Automatic Customer, which is about s- different types of sus- subscription style service businesses. And his he, he's had a couple of exits. He's done really well. And one of his companies, they wanted to switch over to a subscription kind of like uh, subscription for their clients, I think it was kind of like a business analyst group, you know, sort of like a consulting group. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to switch from, I don't remember how they were pricing in the first place, but he wanted to s- switch to subscription. They were, but they were nervous. 
about doing it for the reasons we've discussed. They're like, oh, everyone's going to head for the hills and then we're not going to make payroll next month. Mm-hmm. So they they sort of did it by half measure and they said, um, look, you can still continue paying us the old way, however that was. Might have been, I don't know, might have been hourly. Yeah, it feels like it would be hourly, yeah, but who knows? I have a feeling it might have been. And uh, But you've also got this other shiny, new, wonderful option called subscription and you can pay us on subscription instead of hourly. And no one did it. And right, because who wants to change? Nobody wants to change. Right. So nobody did it. I think he was the advocate for subscription. And then they all were like, oh, that didn't work, John. Uh, (laughs) So that sort of tail between the legs, they just sort of quietly killed the subscription option. And then I think it was a couple years later, but some time passed. And then they brought it back with a vengeance. And they were like, this is how we're going to do business from now on. It's your only option. I mean, essentially, it was a take it or leave it ultimatum, but they were. Obviously, he's a very nice guy. He's very nice about it in terms of messaging that to to folks. But his his takeaway it was that or is that they won't change unless you make them. That's mm-hmm. sort of his moral of the story yeah. is the client's not going to change to a new way if they're happy. If you have happy clients, they're not going to want to change. They're happy. So so when he when they basically burned the boats and they said no more hourly or whatever it was. Uh, if you want to continue to get the this monthly market research insight, whatever, uh, it's this much per month. And uh, we hope you continue to be a customer, right? Yeah. And it's we all have our our grooves, the things that we do because that we've, we fall into them. And even when we agree to work a different way, we tend to default to our old way. And, you know, the classic example is somebody who really thinks tactically and maybe they have a job where it would be good if they thought strategically. Mm. And so you bring in someone who thinks strategically, but they keep asking tactical questions, you know, now I'm sure that's never happened to anybody listening to this, but (laughs) yeah. And so, yeah. And so it's, it's, you know, I hate to keep using the word boundaries. Maybe it's guardrails, but it's like, I think we, we become sensitized or sensitive to the clues that particular clients are sending us that, okay, this is going down the tactical road. I need to pull it back in and keep it strategic. Oh, can you come to this meeting where we're going to talk about insert tactical thing? Mm-hmm. No, because remember, we're doing we're focusing on the strategic with our work together. So, all I would ask is when you go to that meeting, keep this in mind and you say some high-level strategic thing that you're working on mm-hmm. and off they go. And so it's it's yeah, and sometimes people go, "Well, why do I have to keep reminding them?" Well, if you want to work with the same clients and change how you work, it's your responsibility to retrain them in a way that, you know, is not condescending, insulting, or that makes you crazy. Yeah. You have to retrain yourself. You're saying that yeah. this is what you're saying, but you kind of yeah. have to retrain yourself to yeah. not say yes to the things you used to say yes to before. It's just so hard. Like, listen to how hard this would be, you know, to like not fall yeah. into those old patterns. It, it's... Yeah. Oh, I, I've been there, you know? And it's I, I was doing uh, some strategic work with a client, but it wasn't the coaching. It was strategic thinking. Mm-hmm. But like they would like try to reel me back in. And I and instinctively, because I want to help, and most of us listening to this, we're wired that way. We want to help. So right. somebody asks you, and you start to help, and then you go, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My doing this is not helping. 
you know, reel it back now. How, what do I want my reaction to this particular scenario to be? How can I be respectful of the client and be respectful of myself or my firm in the process? Yeah, mm. it, it takes rewiring our brains too. But I think that, you know, the first step is realizing that you want something different because as you start to do that, that's when you start to retrain yourself and then you can potentially retrain some clients. I would never say you could retrain everybody because it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, it's just highly unlikely. Yeah, we're, we're human. We go for what what suits us, what we want, the way we want our world to be. And if we can find it somewhere else and we can't get it from you, mm. there you go. More fish in the sea. Yes, yes. I don't know if we said this explicitly, but I guess we sort of did when I was talking about, you know, get new clients and then sunset the old stuff over time. Like there's a, tr there's a path that you can take where this doesn't need to be like a, a sort of white knuckle Thelma and Louise finale, you know, like... <laughs> that is described in, in the book subscribed by, by Tinzo as swallowing the fish. I don't know if he coined that term, but as you're making the transition from the old to the new and you're perhaps consciously or purposely ramping down the old clients while you're trying to ramp up the new ones, it can be a lot of work because you're operating in two different ways. It's kind of like having two businesses at once. But once you taste the new the the better life with the yes. new clients then i think you start to be like oh wow this is i this is so much better <laughs> uh, this is just way better this was a smart choice you might want to accelerate the the sort of atrophy the down down ramping or off ramping of the uh the older clients because you're like wow this is this is very hard to maintain both things at once it, it felt safe for cash flow reasons. So that was the decision at the time. Now I've tasted the good life and like, wow, this is so much better. Maybe I'm going to accelerate this ramp down or whatever. I'm going to do something to uh, get these clients served well somewhere else. Once you've proven to yourself that the new thing will work and is better. Yeah, because it's, it, it's, it, and it can happen really fast sometimes. I mean, I would never promise that to anyone but it can sometimes like you've so held yourself back from doing what you are really really good at mm -hmm. and then you start to like sort of unleash yourself mm -hmm. <laughs> on this on this client base and it's really powerful and all of a sudden you get all these new opportunities because they see the new you and then it becomes super easy mm -hmm. to let the old ones go because you know you're just so excited by what's coming in yeah, I've got a, I've got a, a member in Ditcherville that is a developer, has a small firm, and recently launched, soft launched on a page. I don't even think he has a page up on his website yet for subscription-based sort of productized subscription service for software development. And just by talking about it privately, he got six. He's got <laughs> six clients. Yay for him. I love that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know this. I don't think he said this explicitly, but but he's very excited about it in the way he talks <laughs> yeah. about it. And I'm going to sort of put words in his mouth. I am sure that any of the old clients that he has in the old way are just feeling it's just feeling like, oh, this is I'm so done with this. 
I'm just imagining this to be true. I don't know if it's true, but mm-hmm. it, it's got to be true that you're just like, oh, this old way was because now you've got something to compare it to. Yes. So like whatever the status quo is, now you've got a new status quo coming down and you're like, oh, this is so much better. And this old thing is just like um, brutal. It's yeah. dragging me down. It, it's it, yeah. I didn't love it, which is why I changed. But now I really don't love it. And And sometimes it feels magical. And there are some people who don't trust something that feels magical. Mm-hmm. Like, wait a minute, I've been beating my head, uh, what, the last two or three years to try and get clients in. And all of a sudden, like, I just breathe and here they are. Yeah. And they're throwing money at me and they want me to do the thing I'm really good at. Like, what? Yeah. So it can happen like that. And that's, and that's why it's so good. If you're a person who really hasn't set a lot of boundaries, just try setting one. Mm. It just and see what happens. And then, you know, when that goes well, you can try a second one. It's, yes, we're in this business to serve, but it is a business, which means, mm-hmm. you know, you're entitled to uh, to be paid, I'm gonna say, well, based on the results that you produce for people. And, you know, this is not a, this is not a, a thing where martyrs go. <laughs> right. Like, we do not have to be martyrs to our business, to our clients, or to our cause. Are there, are there other things that, other scenarios, other transformations or transitions that the, the soloist, the business owner might want to retrain their clients about? So we've talked about altitude, we've talked about pricing, we've talked about boundaries. Like, uh, do you remember in the context of the question, if there were other things, I mean, because I can imagine other things like just the communication style or who is allowed to communicate with you or what channels. Yeah, yeah. so we talked about like who gets to communicate with you and we set a new standard. Um, We talked about um, what gets discussed, Mm -hmm. um, what meetings uh, that they say yes or no to. Mm -hmm. Uh, What else did we talk about? Email chains is another big one for me, like, that that was kind of an access question. Okay. Yeah. And and so yeah, and and they already had a process for how they communicate with clients. It was really just tightening that up a little bit and saying, mm-hmm. you know, other people don't get to be in this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there is no, you know, CC all. Right. Um yeah, it's those kinds of things. Um was there anything else? I mean, it's kind of like whatever the boundaries you would, you know, so, so you like have the clients over time, you've got some experience and there's some things that are subpar about the engagement, things that you would do differently in the future. It could be that you're already doing them or would do them with a new client where it's kind of like updating the FAQ or getting more specific on a sales page for something about those things that you just listed. Like, like, uh, it's, you know, I won't be, you can't CC me on email chains. I can only, only the managing director is allowed to contact me over email or phone. Everybody else can ping me over here in Slack or can't ping me at all. So it's kind of like all of the standards that you would, you would set up front for new clients, all the expectations that you would set around all of these things, the nature of the engagement and how you work. Well, there was another thing that was interesting. Um, it's, Part of this was related to the positioning of their client. In other words, um, my client is writing a book. Mm-hmm. And it's that book, they only want to work with people who want to be what's described in the book. 
And so some of the clients are not really working at that. And so so what we said is, let's see which clients that aren't already working at that want to belly up to the bar and have this big, huge, impressive thing that throws off a ton of value versus doing this other thing that is more tactical. And yeah. so, yeah, so it's also, it's tied into a bunch of things with their business. So all, the, I don't want to give the, yeah, <laughs> give the I, person I can, away. I can feel yeah. you kind of dancing around that, but is the, is it about the person getting more specialized in what they do or is it more like specializing in a particular who they help? Yeah. So it's funny because before you asked that question, I wrote down niche and <laughs> because, you know, what scenarios does this happen in? And it does happen when we have some kind of a niche and then we start to narrow it. Mm-hmm. And it could be as simple as, well, I like clients who are curious and this client just wants to tell me what to do. Okay, no. Yeah. It could be as simple as that. Um, in the case I'm talking about, it's really the steps that the client wants to take to to solve mm-hmm. a big expensive problem, basically. Gotcha. So yeah, and I think as, just generally speaking, as we niche, most of us niche like pretty high to begin with, and then we start over time, we narrow it a little, and we may not make it a huge pivot because we do a little bit at a time, mm-hmm. but if you put it all together, it is kind of a pivot. Right. And that's when you know you start to look at your client base and say, okay, who's with me? Like, Who do I wanna take with me? on this journey to this next thing. I, I have a transformation that I have in mind. I have this revolution. Who's gonna, who's, who can I take there? Who can I help get there? Who wants to go on the journey? Right. And who is just gonna throw up so many barriers that I just, I can't even deal with them anymore. Right, yeah, it's, uh, there's just a million, there's a million aspects to it. Like, because, I mean, it's, it's kind of like two people evolving over time. And that evolution can uh, cause friction or could improve. Yeah, yeah it just could improve yeah. things. Like so, a friendship or a marriage partnership. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So can you retrain your partner? Because let's talk about. Oh, <laughs> I'm not going there. I, right. Well, that's the thing. Like to me, I just, I don't think you really can. And I feel the same way about clients usually. So if, if given no information, if someone was just like, you know, can I re- can I retrain my clients? I would say for what, from where to where, and then I could make a, a guesstimate of how much success they might have. But it really depends on a lot of things. Yeah, I and I think that's the answer because when I when I was thinking retrain, it's can I retrain them on how to work with me? Like you're not trying necessarily to change their worldview about a big mm-hmm. thing or how they anchor in reality. Like we're not talking about all of that. We're talking about, can I work with them? And, and one of the classic disconnects is strategic versus tactical. Yeah. And I know we've all met potential clients who are so tactical. Like I, I just get turned off by that mm-hmm. in an initial conversation. And I usually send them somewhere else because we'd just both be frustrated right. by the process. Right. and. Yeah, so when people are asking big strategic questions and they're trying to figure out what tactics go with that, then that's really interesting, mm. right? So it's it's finding it's finding that balance. But <laughs> I yeah, I don't think 
Yeah, I would never say I could retrain my partner. <laughs> Harvey'd be <laughs> the first not. one on here saying, uh-uh, that's not going to happen. Right. Yeah, it's not really about retraining the client, right? It's it's about tinkering yeah. with the relationship. You're tinkering with the, the engagement, the thing in the middle of the two of you. Yeah. It's also, you think about any relationship, like business or friendship or love relationships, you know, they have an arc, right? And you don't know what it's going to be when you go in, Mm -hmm. but there's an arc. And there are some people who are really good at dealing with circumstances changing, like, okay, your best friend from grade school, and then you move across the coast. And there are people who will still be best friends 30 years later. Mm. Right. And other people go, oh, it was really nice knowing knowing Jenny. All right, let's, you know, let's move on to the whatever the next thing is. And so we we decide because we're not the same people at different stages in our lives. We might make a decision when we have a house full of little kids about um, outside friendships that changes when those kids are off to high school or college. Mm -hmm. I mean, so it's that it's understanding that these are organic relationships and that it's okay if you want to change them. Yeah. It's just not, you know, it's, it isn't necessarily easy to change. It's often easier to start with someone fresh (laughs) under the new approach, but it can be done. Right. Classic consulting answer. It depends. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. I feel like that should be my tagline. (laughs) Uh, cool. Okay. So is there anything that we've left out? Anything we want to, anything else to say? I think so. You think of anything? Nope. Well, hopefully that helped. If we did leave something out to your listener, you know how to get in touch with us. We always are happy to get your emails. Uh, and perhaps we could base another show on some follow-up question. That's always fun. Yeah. Makes our work a little easier. We love new ideas. Exactly. All right, folks, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.